You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, it is. Off and running on this Friday, December 11th. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Plenty to keep us busy on this Friday edition. 60 minutes to run through it all. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Today, day 37 of the Regal Tumble. Has it been that long? 37 days. And really, getting down to the nitty-gritty. Who's in? Who's out? Who's up next? We'll find out today. But also, week 14 opened up in the NFL last night. Talking about time to get down to the nitty-gritty, right? At this point, four games left for most teams. And at this point, you have the, the, the clear favorites. You have the contenders, and you have everyone else. And uh, sticking with my trend of having a good feeling about a game but not betting a game, boy, oh, boy, that streak remains intact. It is now up to, I believe, $7 billion and oh. Because last night, going into the Rams and Patriots to, to open up the week, I know the Patriots coming off that big win a week ago, but I'm thinking to myself, how, how are the Patriots going up against that defense going to uh, fare, and ooh-fah, they did not fare well. The Rams beat the Pats last night, 24-3. to uh, I watched until halftime, and I didn't even really need to watch that much. Uh, and I was uh, so ticked yesterday, because yesterday is the day where the waivers go through on uh, your fantasy leagues on ESPN.com, and I had put in a waiver claim on Cam Akers, the running back on the, the Rams. That situation has been very unsettled. But now it certainly seems like Akers is going to be the guy that gets the bulk of the carries. So I didn't get him. My buddy got him. And I have a bye week in my, my fantasy playoffs. I know you're all very, very interested. Uh, so I have a bye. But my buddy, who's also in the league, he is playing this week. But he got Cam Akers. So I texted him. I said, hey, Cordo, congratulations. Good job, buddy. And he didn't even play him. So I was not happy about that. And then I watched the Patriots. Boy, the Patriots wished they didn't have to play him either. And they, they showed that disdain by playing him by not tackling him at all. Yeah, so the Rams win the game 24-3 in a game that was not even that close. And the Patriots yesterday, they could have played a month of Sundays, and uh, they were not scoring. Uh, they had like one shot to kind of get back into the game. Down 17 nothing, second quarter. They get the ball into the red zone. I guess it was down to like the five or six. First down, and they decided to run the ball four times basically up the middle. And uh, if you did not get to see the game, spoiler alert, that was not an effective strategy. So after the game, Bill Belichick said that uh, Cam Newton is our quarterback. Uh, look, the Patriots don't have a quarterback. So they can stick with Cam Newton if they want. It's like they don't have any better options. And remember... When everyone was complaining before the season, when the Patriots got Cam Newton, they were, how could the league allow Bill Belichick to get Cam Newton? Cam Newton's not the same guy. Now, this is not to put it all on Cam, because it's not like he's got a whole lot to work with there. But much like the Patriots are diminished from what we have known them in the past, it's pretty clear at this point, Cam Newton is also not the same guy that he's been in the past. He's just not, you know, he's not a very good quarterback anymore. And again, he's, it's not all on him, but he is not good enough to cover up all the problems with the Patriots. And I think that there was a time in Cam's career where he would have been more than, uh, you know, good enough 
to be able to co- maybe not cover up all the problems, but certainly cover up a lot of problems. But last night was a bad night for the Patriots. They were really just never in the game. But last night was not just a bad night for the Patriots. Could you imagine how the Chargers feel today? The Chargers just lost 45 to nothing to a team that just got blown out 24 to 3. And it was a blowout. You know, 24 3 doesn't sound that bad when you're coming from 45 nothing. But that was, I mean, that was just the domination last night. Could you imagine what 45 nothing feels like? Oh, my goodness. And I, you'd have to say that last night also was a really bad night for the Jets. Well, how could it be a bad night for the Jets? Week 17, right? With that loss last night, I think the Patriots, uh, the, the, the playoff possibilities are down to like 6 or 8%, whatever it is. Patriots aren't going to the playoffs. But now we know by week 17, that game will be really meaningless for the Pats. So they're not making the playoffs, and by week 17, why would you still be even – look, I guess Bill Belichick is designed, he's wired to want to win every single game. But at this point, moving forward, while he said that Cam Newton is still their quarterback, I would think with another loss, it's in the Patriots' best interest to find out what else they have on the team. Is Jared Stidham even a possibility, or after this season, you'd have to think the Patriots are going to be in the market for a quarterback. But why would you ever play Cam Newton – Uh, uh, week 17 after watching him in the first 16 weeks, if not even before that. So the Pats are not the Pats anymore. And now, right, what is Bill Belichick, 68, 69? Does he have, uh, you know, how long is he going to, uh, does he have the will to kind of rebuild things in New England? Because you'd have to say that is a rebuilding kind of situation. You think that defense had its way with the Pats. Can you, did I say this on the air or off the air? I don't remember. But when I was talking about the Jets' schedule the rest of the way, the Rams game, boy, that's going to be a bloodbath. And after watching last night, could you imagine what that Rams' defense is going to be when they go up against the Jets, when they hit hyperspeed, right, and they go up against the offensive genius that is Adam Gase, assuming that Adam Gase is still there because we've got this week at Seattle, right? Then it's the Rams. I think it's the Rams in two weeks, and then the Browns and then the Patriots. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But that Rams' defense – it's gonna. You ever see like those videos where it's like a high school game and there's one kid on one of the teams that's like, you know, he's kind of like a pituitary case where he's like six foot five and three hundred pounds and he's going up against like normal freshmen in high school and all the other kids are trying to tackle him and it's just completely pointless. That's what it's going to be like. Except instead of just having one of those kids, the entire Rams are going to be the whole team is filled with those kids. It's, oh my God, could you imagine? Sam Darnold might come down with another case of mono before then. Uh, yeah, it came back. I, I don't know what to tell you. You're testing negative for it. No, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's back. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. I have uromycetosis. I have to sit out. Uh, so week 14 uh, got underway last night. Not uh, the greatest of starts, but hopefully a far more entertaining game when the Giants face off against the Cardinals on Sunday. And you know what's crazy? Remember yesterday? This I definitely brought up on the air. The line opened Giants three-point underdog. So then yesterday, I think on the K show, they had R.J. Bell on. Well, I know they had R.J. Bell on. But I think R.J. Bell was saying that the line got down to uh, one and a half. Giants were still one and a half point underdogs, but I still think it's a pretty good line. So I pop on FanDuel this morning because... (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> just what I do. This is just my life now. I stare at the same people every single day, and I pop on FanDuel at 3.30 in the morning when I wake up and I drink my coffee. 
So I popped on FanDuel to see if that line, you know, was in, is if, if it also dropped down, if it's, if it's trending in that direction. It was two and a half. Yes, it started at three, went to two and a half. Now it's back up to three. So I guess a lot of people are still on the Arizona Cardinals. I, I can't. Um, now, look, that's a game that I have already bet. And while my non-betting record that I feel ga- in games that I feel good about is seven billion and zero, uh, the games that I actually bet on, uh, not quite that good. So uh, if I laid off it, no issue. The Giants would win that game. You'd be sitting there six minutes into the first quarter, and you'd say, "Oh, Giants got this one." The fact I did bet it, it will probably come right down to the wire, and uh, the general trends are not pointing in the right direction. But over the, you know, it's funny. Because over the last couple of days on the station, and I guess just in general, in the papers and all these type of things, websites, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how the Giants have turned things around, right? Like, they, they, they certainly seem like they are on track. They have the inside track to win the NFC East. And it's not just winning, you know, if they had won the NFC East with, like, five wins, uh, I don't know how much positivity there would be. But the fact that it does seem like from 0-5 and, and 1-7, and the, the organization in general is pointing upward. The, the arrow is pointing upward. And it feels like over the last couple of days that there's been a lot of talk of what this means, you know, the organization, what this means for Dave Gettleman. And it's almost come from like this place of, well, don't we feel foolish now, right? Like, don't we look silly wasting all of our time criticizing the Giants, criticizing Dave Gettleman? Don't you look silly now for criticizing the Daniel Jones pick? You know, a couple of days ago, uh, the case show, Michael was killing Dave uh, Rothenberg for being down on the Giants earlier this year when they were 0-5 and all this type of stuff. And I would just say, like, what were we supposed to do at that point? They were a terrible team. So I get that things seem to be pointing in the right direction, but let's not use revisionist history here. They were, in fact, the worst team in the entire sport. And while it certainly seems like things are pointing up right now and that this past draft, Dave Gettleman did a far better job this time than he has done in other years. But since he took he took over at the end of 2017, the team has been terrible. So what it shows to me is that this is not the type of thing where anybody has an ax to grind. They were terrible. That's what people said. That's what I said. That's what everybody said. What's the other alternative that we were supposed to sit here and even though the results were terrible, sit and wave pom-poms and say, well, you know what, it's Giants ride or die and just be shills for the organization? And just this idea that, you know, everything has turned around now and it proves that Dave Gettleman was right. You know, Dave Gettleman's track record of doing terrible things for the organization is not a move here or there. It's a long list. Now, it's great that things seem to be turning around. It, it's nice that maybe Daniel Jones, I mean, this idea that Daniel Jones has proven worthy of being the number six pick. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but I'm not saying that he has. The, the, the jury is still out. Let's wait until the story is, has a little bit, few more, you know, a couple more chapters, right? Like if he comes back this week and throws a couple of interceptions, we'll be right back on the, 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 the old horse and, and rightfully so. But it was not just the running back at two. It was not just Nate Soldier that we were criticizing Gettleman about and were correct to do so. It's the Alec Ogletree trade, Jonathan Stewart, you know, basically paying Beckham $30 million and then trading him away and, and not letting 
it, it certainly seems like, and the reporting at the time was, that they basically called the Browns and made the deal. Like, it was like half the league didn't even know that Beckham was available. It was hiring Pat Shermer. You know, I think it's just, this is, you know, as I say a lot of times, the NFL is a coach's league. Like, the coach has more impact in the NFL than in other leagues. NBA, it's certainly about talent. Baseball, it's more about the GM. Football, it's about the coach. And I think that Joe Judge is clearly the right guy. And yes, that goes to Dave Gettleman getting that right. But Judge has done a sensational job, should absolutely be in the conversation for coach of the year. And we'll see how you know the season ends up before we start handing out awards. Uh, but it just shows you that we judge the Giants fairly. This is not some axe to grind or we always go to the same things. When they were terrible, we said they were terrible. And now that things have been pointing in the right direction, we say things are pointing in the right direction. We didn't get it wrong then and right now. We, I think we got it right when we were saying it. You, you know, you can only go by what the results are. And the results were across the board. It wasn't like open to interpretation. They were terrible. And now that they're not, we're saying that. Uh, so Sunday they get Arizona. And it's, not, it's certainly not a must-win game, but it is a, it's a should-win game. If there's anything such as a should-win game, the Giants, you, you need to get to seven. You have Dallas, which you'd certainly think that's one that you, you, you absolutely be able to win. So now, uh, you know, you have to figure out a way to get another win. So you would think Arizona sets up very well for the Giants. Even though it's the type of offense that they've not seen, I would not think, so far this year, because it's a very unique kind of offense, it's an offense that primarily is based on the running game, right? Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, Murray doing his thing as well. But Murray has not been the same guy the past few weeks. Um, He's still kind of an inexperienced quarterback, and the Giants' defense has been able to confuse far more experienced quarterbacks, so I would think that there's no, there's no reason why the Giants don't win that game on Sunday. And I am kind of surprised that the line, which was set at three, goes down to two and a half and then back up to three. Maybe it's just that people, you know, people that gamble don't know what they're doing. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the optimism that we feel about the Giants is not a, a national thing. Maybe that's the case as, way, uh, case as well. But there is absolutely no reason whatsoever for the Giants not winning on Sunday. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll talk about the Jets. Do we have to? Yes, we have to talk about the Jets because there's a couple of things uh, that uh, the drama surrounding the Jets, it doesn't just involve the team on the field. It involves uh, the people covering the team as well. Fascinating story there. Nothing the media loves more than stories about the media. Oh, my God, we love them. So we'll get into that. We'll get into day number 37 of uh, the Regal Tumble. I got, um, what else do I got today? I got uh, a new Picks and Chill selection and even more than stories about the media, the thing that I love more, stories about me. So I'll have an announcement about me coming up as well. So we'll do all that. All right, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Uh, take you up until 6, of course. The number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, and I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. We will get to day 37, Regal Tumble, in just a bit. But I did want to say, you know, first off, uh, you probably know by now. Starting January 4th, Rick, Chris, Dave, DiPietro, Canty, and Rothenberg, as they're also known, are going to be moving to morning, starting at uh, 5 a.m. 
which is right now, right? This, this time slot will be occupied by them. And uh, people have been asking me uh, where I've been going, where, what I'm going to be doing. I would just first off like to say the support that you guys have shown on Twitter, on Instagram has been, I can't thank you enough. You know, when you do this show at 5 a.m., you know, there's no, we don't do guests. We don't take that many calls. Um, you know, we do stuff on Twitter. But to see the amount of messages and the amount of posts and support, it really has been fantastic. It has made me feel fantastic. So thank you to all of you that have reached out and uh, have uh, sent me. You know, I've tried to respond to some. I'll continue to respond to some. Uh, and I would just simply say, keep it up. No, I would simply say uh, it's been great. It's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, but people have been, keep asking me, where are we going to be able to hear you? Where are, you know, they keep sending me the screenshot of the new schedule. They're like, where are you on this? I'm not on there. I don't It's not invisible ink. You didn't get sent a bad copy. I'm not technically on there. But uh, where are you going to be able to hear me? Well, if you're in my house, you'll definitely be able to hear me here, even if you walk past the house. But no, starting January 4th, I will be joining Larry Hardesty at night. Uh, Larry's on 10 p.m. to midnight. So I've worked with Larry before. Looking forward to He's fantastic and uh, looking forward to lo- working with him again uh, during the pandemic earlier this year. You know, we had, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but we had somebody test positive. So the show, our show, my show was off the air for a few weeks. That was why back then. So I was working with Larry for a while. And uh, look, I realize that if you're listening now in this time frame, this time spot, that it's going to be kind of, you know, I would think kind of tough to be also listening at night. But there are podcasts there. Uh, hopefully the Saturday show will be back very soon. So I just want to say thank you for all the support that everybody has shown. And uh, please keep up those messages. It's, it's important. It's important to my ego, which uh, needs to be stroked a little bit these days. So, uh, but uh, I do want to say, honestly, thank you. And uh, so starting the 4th, Rick, Chris, and Dave here, me and Larry at night. So uh, that's the deal there. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And stop sending me screenshots of the schedule. Yes, I realize I, it, it, you're not, your eyes are not deceiving you. I'm not, I'm not on it. Right, I get it. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the Jets. Do we have to? Yes, because they provide entertainment. They do. You have to say they are entertaining. Now, not again, there's a time frame in the week, usually from one to four on Sundays, not so entertaining. Although you do have to see them, right? You, ne- you just never know. It's like the old line about baseball, like every single day. You could watch baseball every single day your entire life. And John Sterling says it all the time. And every single day, something can pop up, and you've never seen it before. That's the Jets. The Jets, every single week, there's something that could pop up, and you're just like, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. And yesterday, a lot of people were tweeting about it. The Jets' Man of the Year nominee is not even on the Jets anymore. Pierre Desir, he's on the Ra- I think he's on the Ravens' practice squad. So uh, the, the, the Ravens have two shots at winning the uh, Man of the Year, but... You know, this week it's uh, Seattle. I, I don't know really what I, – I can't imagine that this game is going to be even remotely entertaining outside of the, um, the possibility of the Jets just doing something that you've never seen before. But I keep reading these stories about, you know, Jamal Adams going up against his old team. Jamal Adams is going to try to embarrass the Jets on Sunday. How is he going to do that? The Jets do that on them. That's their thing, right? Embarrassing themselves. I mean, what would he have to do to embarrass them more than they embarrass themselves? It's like the thing. Stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. 
I mean, and it turns out there's even drama with the, uh, the Jets beat. I don't know how many uh, listeners actually care, how many sports fans actually care. As I said before, media people, oh, my God, we love stories about media people. We love them. We love them. But Manish Mehta, who had been the Jets beat reporter for the Daily News, he has been taken off the Jets beat, which apparently he was taken off a while ago, but now there's been like an official thing that he is not going to be back on the Jets beat. And look, I, I'm kind of, you know, people will think that I am a member of the media. Eh, not really. But, and I don't have any details. I don't know, uh, you know, what, I, I will say this. The details that are out there, the details that have been reported, woo, those look pretty bad. But I like to keep an open mind. I like to take the other side of things. So I will wait it, it, until, if, if there are more facts, I would figure at this point, when the accusations have been made about people, you know, stalking the GM's son at games, I would think that if that were completely not true or completely being uh, mischaracterized, that there would be some sort of defense right away, right? I would think, but that has not happened. But I don't know. But I do know this. The fact that the Jets stripped him of access, revoked Manisha's credentials, and neither, at least not publicly, the Daily News or the Pro Football Writers of America or any other, you know, writers group did not scream bloody murder at the time means to me, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's a, that's a pretty bad deal right there because to revoke someone's access and, you know, you, you know, the First Amendment, ah, you know, usually those screams and calls for, for a whole lot less, the, a whole lot lower, uh, you know, uh, crime than that. Usually that, that that would be the cry. And that the fact that that has not been the cry tells me, you know, in terms of I'm not saying that the needle is pointing 100 percent one way, but it's pretty much in the 90 percentile right there in terms of what I think may have happened. So and I think that uh, I, I think that he is still with the paper. He's not going to be covering the Jets, which just means to me he's going to cover the Knicks. Right. I mean, he, he's definitely that, like that's the next move. Right. He is going to start covering the Knicks. I'm almost I can I bet that on FanDuel. Ray, if you have a free minute, see on FanDuel whether or not I can bet Manish Mehta going to the Knicks beat because that feels like just a match that is just going to happen. That's going to happen, right? It has to. Oh, God, no. <laughs> it ha- no, it has to. It, it, as soon as I say it to you, you're like, oh, my God, you're right. That's going to ha- I mean, what else would happen? Where else is he going to go? one 800 PN 1-800-919-3776. All right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Did I mention, don't miss Disney's new movie, Safety, inspired by the true story of Clemson football safety, Ray McElrathby. Start streaming exclusively on Disney Plus today, which is December 11th. Uh, if I haven't mentioned it by now, I have now mentioned it. Uh, coming up, we have to get to the Regal Tumble. It is day number 37. We are getting down to the nitty-gritty. And uh, yesterday... All credit to you, because yesterday a show entered the fray, and many of you said this show cannot compete against the uh, you know the other shows that are in the mix right now. And you know what? You are one hundred percent right. All credit where credit is due. So we'll find out who is in. We will find out who is out. Plus a net picks and chill 
selection for this week. Have not really done many net picks and chill selections lately. Plus, Brian Cashman, the Yankee GM, talking about Glaber Torres with some very interesting things to say. So we'll get into that, too. It is the Gordon Damer Show. And after a few minutes, I took the gun out of his mouth. And I say, so help me, if you ever touch her again, I will such and such and such and such and blah, 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 blah. Just a warning? Oh, of course. Just trying to do the right thing. But two weeks later, he killed her. Of course. Caved her head in with the base of a wearing blender. We got there, there was so much blood you could taste the metal. Moral of the story is, I chose a half measure. When I should have gone all the way, I'll never make that mistake again. No more half measures, Walter. So good. Your moment of inspiration for this Friday morning. Why Breaking Bad? Well... Uh, remember the final season? They kind of broke it up into two parts. Well, this week, 2012, was the week where they started filming the uh, final season of Breaking Bad. And any reason we can find to go to certain, you know, specific shows, movies, any specific, any reason at all, even if it's kind of outlandish, uh, we will use that as an excuse to play clips of, you know, Goodfellas, Godfather, Breaking Bad. And uh, that is your moment of inspiration for this Friday morning. But now we have to get to day 37 of the regal tumble and as i said yesterday yesterday nypd blue joined the ranks and there was a time where nypd nypd blue was you know really um big time television and many of you came on twitter ah, i just can't compete against the office and the simpsons are all in the family and uh it turns out you were completely right so completely give credit where credit is due but today is day number 37. Not too many days left. The contest has had to been, uh, you know, shortened a bit. So let's find out. Of course, we know the shows that are there already, right? We, we know The Office. We know The Simpsons. And we know, of course, All in the Family. But let's find out. It is day number 37. Let's find out who joins You all know exactly who I am. Say my name. Oh. So good. It's just so good. Well, well, well. Look, I have uh, been barraged constantly with where is Breaking Bad? Where is Breaking Bad? If you don't have Breaking Bad, this is as if I'm going to have a contest about the greatest television show of all time, and I'm not going to include breaking... Have you listened to any of my shows Yeah, ever? Mr. White. Yes, science. Yes, it is science. It's that good. So I would simply say, as the poll question goes up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, day 37 of the Regal Tumble, the quest to find television domination, which is the greatest television show of all time. Breaking Bad joins the fray. And I would simply say, if you're not voting for Breaking Bad... I will kill your wife. I will kill your son. 
I will kill your infant daughter. Oh, I, look, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not going that far. You know, Gus Fring goes that far. I don't go that far. You I'm just, are not the guy. You're not capable of being the guy. I had a guy, but now I don't. You are not the guy. Clearly, I'm not the guy. Starting January 4th. I am not the, guy. the one who knocks. Yes, I am the one who knocks with Larry at night. Um, but no, look, day 37 of the Regal Tumble. Breaking Bad is there. It is up. It is out there. If you don't vote for it, it's on you. I can only put you in position. I'm like Joe Judge. I put people in position to succeed. If they don't succeed, that's on you. Because so those are the insane, degenerate piece of filth, and you deserve to die. Yeah, if you don't vote for Breaking Bad, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So there you go. It's up. It's on Twitter. And really, what you have to wonder today is people have been asking, begging, pleading, demanding Breaking Bad so much that we could fall into a situation where the 15% rule comes into effect. So could it impact, you know, two shows? Could we get a double elimination because Breaking Bad is the big bad, right? Like each of these shows has the big bad character that you have to overcome. Uh, Is it Gus Fring or, you know, the cartel or this thing or that? Breaking Bad could be so strong that it just wipes out the competition. And then we're looking for two new shows. We could be looking for three new shows. That's how good Breaking Bad is. So if I had a vote, I would say Breaking Bad, but there you go. It's up for you. It's on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. It is day 37 of the Regal Tumble. All right, let's get to some other stuff. And again, just if I could just sing the praises of Breaking Bad, just one little bit more. In terms of entertainment, season three, they're all good. But season three, I put up there with anything in entertainment. Godfather, Goodfellas, your favorite album. It is just that good. So please go vote. Uh, and uh, do so properly. And if you're doing it properly, you're probably voting for Breaking Bad. All right, so, all right, uh, net picks and chill. I've not done that a whole lot in the last uh, last few weeks or whatnot, but there is one show that I would say, and this is right up my alley, so it's not for everybody, but net picks and chill pick for this week is uh, Murder on Middle Beach. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's on HBO. You can find it on HBO Max if you have that. It's a documentary series about an unsolved murder in Connecticut, and the person conducting the, the investigation and, and, and coming up with the documentary is her son. So it's four parts. It's very interesting. It's not long. It's lean. And, you know, with a lot of these documentary series, they, 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 they puff them up a little bit to get more episodes out of it, and there's a lot of filler. Um, this is four episodes, so it's very, very lean. Uh, there's a little bit of puffing, but it's not, and it's a really fascinating case. So if you're into that kind of thing, Murder on Middle Beach, it's on HBO Max, HBO whatever, and uh, you can find it there. All right, let's get to the baseball. Let's get back into the sports. We have, of course, Brian Cashman was on the Yes Network. They have their hot stove show, and I did find it very interesting that he actually kind of uh, called out a little bit Glaber Torres. So let's hear what Brian Cashman had to say about Glaber Torres this past year's struggles at shortstop, as well as some uh, things he's got to work on. I think he can do both. I think he's a better second baseman than shortstop. I think that uh, uh, he can play shortstop. Uh, I think that ultimately uh, he struggled in the beginning of the, the pandemic 60-game season because he, you know, after the spring training one shutdown into spring training two, uh, he did not, uh, you know, and it's, I'm not playing a blame game, but he, he wasn't in the best shape to start 
uh, the second spring training. So upon his return from the shutdown, um, we spent a little bit of a first half of the season playing catch up. Maybe it was the first 40 or 45 games of the season playing catch up. And, and uh, once we got him back online and in shape, you saw uh, towards the last, you know, 20 games, including the playoffs, the Glaber Torres were used to seeing. So I think, I think the season that overall he had isn't representing what he really is. Uh, it's more along the lines of what you saw in the postseason and what you saw the previous year, uh, which anybody would want. So he's more than capable of playing short, but I acknowledge he's a better second baseman than a shortstop. All right. So that, I, I found that to be absolutely fascinating because for an organization where it seems like criticism is just completely off the – think about would they have ever said – would Brian Cashman ever have said those things about, say, Gary Sanchez? I don't think so. There's been plenty of times where, where criticism – and I get it. Sometimes it is over the top, and I wouldn't expect the, the organization to come down and just hammer a guy the way you know us fans do. But for an organization that doesn't criticize anybody, actually coming out and saying that the guy was out of shape for the start of the second spring training and, and was out of shape for a good portion of the year – that is very and, – and, and admitting that he might be a better second baseman than a short, and, and, but at least saying, oh, well, you know, we think he can play short. I thought that that was very, very telling. Now, I know that some people have kind of floated the idea that maybe the Yankees are going to move off Glaber Torres or maybe they might actually be willing to tra- – I don't think that that's the case yet. I mean, he's still 24. He's not a free agent until 2025. I think you're paying him like $2 million. Uh, and if there's a payroll – even if there's not a payroll crunch – but to get back to a more normal season for a player who has been everything really you could have asked for in the previous two years and did not have as good a season in a shortened, you know, kind of weird year, uh, I don't think that they're going to move on. But I would say that is absolutely incredible that Brian Cashman would actually come out. I'm just kind of stunned because it feels like Brian Cashman a lot of times says a lot, I mean, in terms of words, but doesn't really say a lot. And for him to say that 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 Glaber was out of uh, out of shape, and that they they feel like that while he can play shortstop, his better position is second base. Boy, oh boy, that's uh, that's pretty telling. So so maybe you know I don't know. It, it, I know that everybody is saying that DJ it, it, things are pointing to the you know the sides eventually coming to a deal. Uh, it's starting to feel maybe a little bit less uh, optimistic, at least for me, that that deal is going to happen based on just those comments. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get a couple of calls in here before we go to the break. Let's go to, is it Rudy in the car? Rudy, you're uh, first up on ESPN New York. Oh, we lost Rudy. All right, we got Omar. He's always there. Omar, what's going on, my man? How are you? Good. Oh, you're very happy today. Why are you so happy? Good Friday? Yeah, Friday. You know what? This weekend will decide me how my playoffs are going to go and my preseason starts tonight after nine months. You know, three years back, McDermott, nobody expected Buffalo to make the playoffs first year in the uh, as a he went four and zero in the preseason, right? Mm-hmm. And then they make the playoff in the last when uh, uh, remember that Cincinnati beat uh, somebody and uh, he's become really, a hero for Buffalo okay, Bills I'll, I'll after a twenty it. year gap. Here sure. it is. Okay. You go preseason. The next season starts tonight. Go mm-hmm. preseason. And you're still optimistic. Play hard, and your season will change. Everything will change. Work hard. Let's go, Bills. Let's go, Knicks. I want, I want three and oh, three and oh this weekend, Monday morning. I'll be a happy man. man. All right. Well, 
look, Omar, I appreciate the call. 1-800-919-ESPN. It's, it's nice to have happy Omar once in a while. Now, I'm guessing after it's been a long time since we've seen Knicks basketball. So I'm guessing it might, it might not be too long. It certainly won't be as long before the reality of the situation settles in. And the reality of the situation is the Knicks are not going to be a very good team. Now, can they be better? Maybe. I would like to think that this is the most legitimate coach that they've had in a very, very long time. But let's not get too carried away just yet. You know, it's preseason. We'll get there. We'll get there. And I have to be honest, if you were asking me what do I want, I would like to see progression from the individual players without seeing actual progression in terms of the actual team. Like in terms of wins and losses, I don't need, uh, you know, an eighth seed this year. I would simply be happy if they actually were worse and get back in the lottery, get another big piece, and then now, now we start moving. Now we start putting some stuff together. Is it Mike in Staten Island that's next up on ESPN New York? Mike, what's going on, man? Hey, Gordon, what's up, brother? I'm good, man. I don't get the misconception that Gleyber Torres is this horrible shortstop. You know, he's a young, controllable player. He's an all-star player. Give the guy a full year to play at short. Absolutely. That's his natural position. And if, if they do want to turn around and get someone else, guess what? All these people, Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, who had a really down year, they're free agents the following year. So you don't have to lose anything. Now you can go ahead and trade Torres, which I think would be a terrible decision. Oh, I, yeah, I don't think that they like would that. trade Torres. Even if they bring back LeMahieu, uh, and Mike, thanks for the call, I, I don't think that they would trade Torres yet. Uh, unless he went in, you know, like, I think that that's the right approach, right? You, you play him at shortstop. Even if it's a shortened year this year, it's 130 games or 120 games, whatever it is, give him a real full run at shortstop. See where he's at. Give him a full spring training. You know, make sure that it's not as weird a year as it was last year. And you know what? If it turns out that he's just a butcher at shortstop and you just don't feel comfortable with him playing the position, absolutely. Even if you bring back LeMahieu, then you move LeMahieu to either third or first. He can, he's probably going to have to – if you bring him back on a four-year deal – you're probably going to have to play him at one of those positions at some point. Move him then. Move Glaber back to, to second base. And then you go out and sign whatever shortstop you want. If it's Seager, if it's uh, Lindor, I, I, wh- whichever one of those guys you want. Trevor Story, I think, is free agent too. So, uh, yeah, that's absolutely the right approach. No, I, I don't think that, um, that you're going to be moving Glaber now, as has been floated by some. But I do have a little bit – there's a little bit – I felt like this entire time that it was, a, it was a done deal that they would bring back LeMahieu. After hearing those comments and saying that – hearing him say that, yeah, he might be better at second than short, it does make me, make me question just, uh, just based on those comments. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. More of your phone calls coming up. Also, I, I had one point I wanted to make about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, yes. He, t- he thinks he's too big stiffing the media. He got fined yesterday, $25,000. It actually turns out that he is bigger than the media. So we'll get into that coming up too. I'm getting closer to another cup of coffee. That, that creamer that I had. Oh my gosh. It's like, uh, I can't, I can't even describe it. It's so good. So good. You know what else has been good? The show today. This has been an amazing show. It is day 37 of the Regal Tumble. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. And Breaking Bad, joining the mix there. So uh, that's a big show. That is, I would say, for me, I don't know if it'll turn out this way because you guys, sometimes you vote in weird ways. I would say that's the number, if we had a number one overall seed 
in the greatest television show of all time contest, Breaking Bad, is that show. We'll see how the vote turns out. Maybe you guys screw it up. At least so far, Breaking Bad has started very strong. And, Ray, you're much more of a recent wrestling guy than I am. You're a more recent guy on everything, pretty not, much. Not I quite am. on Brian Munguia's level. but Yeah, sure. no. Well, but, but, again, who is? Uh but would you? Who is the most dominant performer in the history of the Royal Rumble? Would it be the Big Show? Would it be Undertaker? Triple I know, H? I know Undertaker's had some runs where he just came in and cleared house. Kane yeah. has also done. Kane, um, right? Steve Austin once had in it, it had a run where he went from first to last. So that may really have been, like, That's like impressive. He, he was the first guy in the Rumble and he won the whole thing. You so. know what's weird about that is obviously the 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 results are determined, but. It's not like the, 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 the actual motions are determined, right? Like you have to know this guy goes – that's a lot to remember. Like you'd have to think the exact order has to be memorized by everybody. And everybody's working in different you know, areas. Is this guy out yet? Is that guy – I've never really thought about it before. But in terms of the choreographing of it, it must be really, really difficult you know, not to get the, the guy who wins it. That's obviously very easy. But to get guys out in the specific order that they're supposed to go, I would think that that would be very hard. Just because it's scripted doesn't mean it's easy. No, no, (laughs) but I'm I'm saying like even – um, even, you know, like a normal match, you kind of, you, you, I would think sure. you kind of work out the choreography beforehand, but this, it, it's such a different thing. And you have to, is, is so-and-so out yet? Because I got to throw this guy out next. I, I They've got to have some system to make it simple for guys. That, so that, yeah, like, hey, look, hey, listen, you're getting eliminated by this guy and you're, you're eliminating this guy and you know, uh-huh. Possibly. And you have to do it all in time. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a yeah. lot. Uh, it's a lot to, that goes into it. I would think. I don't know. I've never seen like a document. That would be an interesting little uh, piece. Um, but Breaking Bad is up on uh, the Regal Tumble. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. All right. So I, I did want to touch on a couple of things. And in case you're just joining us on this Friday, uh, we talked about the Giants. The Giants. They don't face a must win on Sunday. They face a should win. It's a good matchup, and it's good timing as well. You know, like when the Giants were struggling earlier this year, if they had faced Arizona. I think it would have been a far more difficult matchup because Arizona was playing better in the year. Kyler Murray was playing better in the year. And the uniqueness of their offense, I think, would have posed a bigger challenge back then. The fact that Murray is not playing as well, is injured, uh, and the Giants are playing much, much better, uh, I think it makes a, a should-win game. Not a must-win game, but a should-win game. The Jets, well, there's no, there's no should-win. There's, there, there's no should-as, would-as, or could-as. Uh, they had a bad night even when they didn't play because last night the Patriots did play, lost, basically are not – you, you kind of know now, while they've not been officially eliminated from the playoffs, they're not going to be in the playoffs. So that Week 17 matchup, if all you have to look forward to for the Jets is making sure you don't win a game, that game has always kind of stood out with a little – you know, it's almost in your mind you kind of looked at that and said, uh-oh, 17, Week 17 – the Patriots could really screw us. Now, the really the only challenge to 0-16, I would think, is that Week 17 game. Now that you know almost certainly the Patriots are not going to be in the playoffs. But I did want to touch on one thing with Kyrie Irving. He got fined uh, $25,000 yesterday by the league because he refused to talk to the media. He just put out a, uh, a statement. And the general reaction by the media his, you know, he's acting like he's too big for this. He, this, he, has a, he has an obligation to do these things. He is not too important to make time to speak to the media. But he is, though. Like, I know you don't like it, and I don't like it, and maybe people, fans shouldn't like it. 
but he is bigger than that, right? Like when you have a star league, the stars run the show. So the fact that Kyrie Irving is a star, whether you like it or not, he's making $35 million a year. And as I've said a million times, when you bring in a player like that, like the Nets did, and you bring in Kevin Durant, you have to kind of turn over your organization, for right or for wrong, to those people. So he's making it out like he can get away with it, mainly because he can. Yeah, okay, he was fine some money as a result, but I don't think that that money is, uh, is going to set him back at all. And if he wants to continue to do these type of things, I think he probably will. So it's always, was always laughable when you know, Kenny Atkinson got fired and Durant and Kyrie were like, what? But no, he's a star player, and he, he can kind of do what he wants. And the Nets have kind of let him do what he wants, and they'll continue to do so. We're out of time. We're back on Monday starting at 5. We'll see you then. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.